What up, friends? Stitcher's got a new show called Gossip. Gossip is the first ever comedic soap opera podcast, and it's created by actor and comedian Allison Raskin, who I know. Whew. On Gossip, three unlikely friends dish each week about the latest rumors floating around their not-so-traditional suburban town, Golden Acres. If you like Jane the Virgin or Desperate Housewives, I actually really do like Jane the Virgin, you'll love Gossip. Just head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your shows. Hey, Queeros. Oh, shit. You've done an amazing job so far. And this is, I'm just recording this on Wednesday, June 13th. And so far, we've raised 20 grand for rape crisis intervention using rape jokes, my new stand up special that you can watch for free at cameronesposito.com. So many people have donated 20 grand in two days. And it's going to go to Rain, the nation's largest anti-sexual violence organization. You did this. You're amazing. Here's what you could do next. Talk about the special. Tell everybody you know about it. If you have like a paper that you really love to read or a news outlet, like t- tweet at them or send them an email and tell them you love it. More coverage on this helps so much because I have no marketing budget. I'm just releasing it by myself. And it's been through the strength of you um, that this has caught on. So thank you. You are the greatest. This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback. And I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cameron here. Today's guest is Trayvon Free. This dude is awesome. God, I have the best time talking with him. Whew, he's going to do big things. He's a stand-up comic, an actor, a writer. I'll just, you know what? Enjoy the episode. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still holding on. Darling, I know, I know, I know it's careless. Hey, so first of all, just like... Congrats on waking up it, in time to make it to like a noon recording. Yeah. You were telling me that you were working really late last night. Yeah, we finished at almost three. And I was like happy. It was it was only three. It was supposed to be like four or five. You look fresh. I, I mean, got, I got a de- I got a decent amount of sleep, I think. I woke up like three times because my body's so used to getting up at 5 a.m. now yeah. for our, our normal calls. And I just can't sleep past a certain point anymore. It's no, really I weird. Totally they broke it. me. I have a stupid window in my bedroom that I that is like really really small so I'd have to get something specifically made to cover it. Right. And my wife and I let it stay open because then the sun wakes us up, right. which is like a cool thing <laughs> as opposed to an alarm when you're like, "Oh my god, the earth woke me up." Like that feels right. cool. I hate that so much. But oh my god, <laughs> but I don't mind it. But I will say that on days like today when you like really need to sleep in, it is yeah. just yeah, a punishment we've given well, to ourselves. Well, they're fixing the roof on the house next door to where I'm staying. Perfect. And it's literally right outside the window. Yeah, that's Right great. next to the bed. Ideal. So every morning at about 7 a.m., I hear just constant hammering. Just hammering, hammering. And then I'll hear someone speaking to each other in Spanish, and they'll laugh, and then there'll be more hammering. So they ha- they do jokes between hammering. I mean, that's that's the other thing is that I <laughs> that I always notice with, like, I mean, of course, when there's some, when it's somebody's job, like, they're at work, they're having fun right. with their buddies. They're like, a good time. They're not, nobody's on my schedule where I'm like, if you, honestly, if you, if you enjoy each other's company for one more fucking second, <laughs> 
I'm gonna come out there and end you. There was um, one time I legit thought they were in my apartment. Like, <laughs> oh, shit. they are in here hammering. How did you get in here? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I want to start. Well, first of all, we've already begun our charming conversation, but I usually have guests introduce themselves. So, would you introduce yourself? Uh, hello, I am Trayvon Free, and uh, I am a TV writer, comedy person, stand up, all that stuff. Um, what else do I do? That's that's a good description, I think. I feel like you've got a lot of cool stuff going on in I your life like, right yeah, now. What I are do, you working on? I'm working on camping on HBO currently with Jennifer Gardner and David Tennant. Um, my own show on HBO uh, with Issa Rae. That f- the, um, I wish that you could see like your sort of face and <laughs> how chill you start. You tried to roll that out, like you tried to make that be like a, and then like as a sidebar, this other thing is like a small project. <laughs> It's a uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of work. It keeps me busy, and then like got a couple movie projects that I'm trying to um, to work on. So I don't I don't have a ton of free time, especially now that we're filming. And I end up having to tell people like it's I really have no time right now to do anything. So people will hit me up, and I'll be like, "Let me get back to you," and they'll like literally like two days later. So can you? I'm like. Don't, like, please. No, you don't understand. <laughs> like, go get a degree. Like, the amount of time that it takes you to become a doctor, right. like, then right. come back to me right. after that. Seriously. I'm actually, I'm so shocked that you found time in your schedule for us. I'm stoked because well, I, I know how, well, not I know, but I see from the internet how busy you are, and I believe you on the internet. I believe <laughs> the things that you tell me are true. So. It, wor- it works out. I mean, part of, it's funny, part of it is, like, documentation of, like, I told you that I'm where I am. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, also, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but also, like, I I try to, like, schedule some things in in my, like, time that I, so I can still do other things. But there are also times where you just budget time for yourself, and then people want to use that time, and you're like, no, no, no. I'm at home doing nothing, not because I have time to hang out with you, but because I need this time because I don't have it anywhere else. Are you good at doing that, like keeping that time for yourself? No, I'm so bad at it. I end up giving it away all the time. Yeah, I, I, I sometimes feel so guilty yeah. about that. Where, and even and then I'll start to feel like a loser. Like it's it's so weird what I can justify feeling like about right. having. It's like, oh, a night at home. What am I trash? And then it's like, <laughs> no, man. Like you're gonna you're gonna burn out yeah, you so need quickly. It. You yeah. really need it. And then you find yourself bored and you're like, oh, I should just go hang out. And you're like, no, I shouldn't mm. do that. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah, is yeah. what I need to do. Absolutely. Just let my brain not have any type of out- exterior stimulus. Just be at home and chill out. Yeah. And enjoy your, like, enjoy refilling all of the Yeah. Everything that's been stores. drained from you. Yeah. You got to gotta build it back up. And we also – I don't know how much you can talk about, but for your show with Issa Rae, where, where are you with that? Where um, are you in the process? We are in the – basically waiting for everybody to finally agree on the script that, mm-hmm. we, that we have because the, the plan is to do – the plan is to do the show. And so as far as I know, it's just getting everybody on board with – a version of it that uh, everyone likes, which is pretty much, I think, the last draft. I haven't gotten notes back on it, but I think that was the one where I feel like that's the one. 
So oh, I'm excited. We'll all <laughs> knock on all the yeah, available wood. Yeah, I think that's the, the room. one. So I mean, once we do that, um, I think the plan is to just go into start to start doing the show because I also. Oh wait, I don't know if I can talk about that one yet. <laughs> there is another thing. Okay, uh, all right. There's another thing. There's another thing well, that involves some really amazing people. Well, that, that's exciting. That's actually like pretty much. I mean, it is a done deal. It's just a matter of like what happens next. But I don't know. I've not been told I couldn't talk about it, but I'm going to err on the side of not. <laughs> well, you sound like a man of mystery, so it's even kind of cool. So just but like when it is, yeah, I've when got it, all these huge things moving, but I can't discuss any of them. It's so funny how like I legit forgot about it. <laughs> the show, for, the show with Easter Ray. Part of the reason that I reached out and wanted to talk to you. I mean, number one, you're a cool, interesting person in the world. We should oh, just know each you. other. But also that show, the main character is – am Me. I a bisexual black dude? Yes. Like that's that's yeah. true? It's a yeah. bisexual black dude? Yeah. At the center of a television show? Right. Can I just like give you a <laughs> All right. fucking high five? That is so great. When did When did that happen? It's Never. It's incredible. Yeah. You would – I mean that would be – is that – I mean that – that's definitely the first show that would center on a character that identifies that way. Yeah. But then I don't even know if I can think of like too many characters that are like some side character with even one line. You right, know what I mean? Right. Like that's how rare it is. It's yeah. like you can't even point to the other examples of like, yeah, yeah this person's cousin or best friend right. <laughs> that like yeah, popped that was up for part a of second. The, that was part of the pitch where it was just like this this doesn't exist anywhere. No one's telling the story. And, uh, hey, look, here's a chance for us to tread in new ground. This is what you guys like to do here, right? So what do you want to do, HBO? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Put them, put, them on the, put them on the hook for it. Like, right. Be the one to tell that story. Well, for, for you, what does it feel like that folks would be interested in that as a concept? Because I feel like – I mean, it, for me, it's – Dealing with the, the issues of, of masculinity and sexuality and being black and all the things that go along with that that for so long have been kind of like a thing you don't talk about in our community that it's like there are plenty of gay black people, but it's it's always done or treated in a way, at least in reality, in a way where it's like it's okay if someone else's kid is gay, but it can't be your kid. Or it's okay <clears throat> if it's their friend, but not you. Like it's always a step removed, and like it's we've we've become more accepting of it uh, in the few in the last like eight or nine years since Prop Eight. But it's not moved very much. Like I, there's still a lot of homophobia around uh, black masculinity um, that I think we need to deal with. And I feel like I want to explore that and, and put it in people's faces so that they can like really start to understand what it means to, to be, to separate masculinity from, from sexuality for one, because they don't go hand in have hand. Nothing to do they have nothing other. at all to do with each other. But to also like tell a human story of like we're just people like you, like just trying to live our lives and it's not any different from you. And getting to the heart of like where that comes from, that animus towards 
gay people and and uh kind of calling calling us out on it like you know like like bringing it to the forefront and making us talk about it because once you see it in a way where it's centered where it's not like a throwaway side character or uh, a passing mention um you have to deal with it you have to decide like where do i where do i want to be where do i want to stand in 2018 on this issue like am i going to be the person who's like still in the dark ages <laughs> or am i going to wake the fuck up and actually realize what i'm doing and what i'm thinking and so i feel like a lot of the problems that we go through in the world and in this country so are are tied up in what it means to be a man and like how you define masculinity and trying to like prove yourself to some other dude that you're a man and it ends up resulting in school shootings and like all kind of crazy shit because society's telling you this is how a man behaves and it's like that's bullshit so it must be really exhausting too i mean i I think about how exhausting it is to be a woman in that in that culture that also like because men are so restricted then women have to it's it like one then leads to the other right but i think that i mean when i think about the way that men are taught to patrol themselves around anything like emotions yeah um that just seems like i don't know how one would get through the day right. if you can't just like smile right. at somebody if like that's like oh fuck you right. smiling with right. this like weakness that you're showing me i mean men just started hugging each other like especially like black men just started hugging each other in a way that's not like uh where you like dap someone up beat and put a like a wall between the two of you like i can in the last maybe like 10 or 15 years is when it was okay to actually wrap your arms around another man and it not be like weird or gay. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, that's even that's relatively new. We're like we've just kind of got out of the quote unquote no homo era. Remember when that was like Oh my god, absolutely. every fucking way. Like you couldn't do any you couldn't say nice shirt to your friend without like qualifying it <laughs> with I mean it was almost nice to have people say that because I then I got to see how often it was on people's minds right, you know right, like it was yeah, almost it like was, yeah. oh thank god you're finally admitting it because right. I know you've been worried about this so <laughs> right. now you're like telling me to my face right. <laughs> well I I also th- I mean you know there's a lot of stuff that I I was raised in a predominantly white area and I have you know like as a person that's a part of the LGBT community some thoughts on like maybe why it's different in the black community what you're saying the 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 specificity of that patrolling but like right. i i also don't know if you have thoughts on why what makes it different i mean it one i think a big part of it is it's just not talked about openly enough it's you hear about it at church in the in the uh, in the context of it being against god Rarely, like, I can't, I remember, I can remember so many times growing up and hearing uh, how gay people were going to hell, which made it um, impossible to feel like a per like, grow up and feel like a person when you're, like, dealing with that internally. Yeah. And your parents are dragging you to church every fucking week. I mean, I had that, too. You know, yeah. I grew up in the Catholic church, and that was the same messaging I got. Yeah. Something it, that seems a little different is, like, as you grow up, if you're Catholic, a lot of folks— 
like naturally leave the church anyway because right. it's not like a community or social hub. It's really like yeah. a place parents take their kids and then right. like the the generation turns right. over and then those parents take their kids. Right. But it doesn't seem to serve the same like a lot of folks that I know that are black folks that are adults have a, a relationship yeah. with the church that's like it's, personal. It's, yeah, not it's necessarily- very, very deep, very connected. And so if you're growing up at a time where that's con- – your, the church you go to is telling you <clears throat> that's wrong and you can't, like, go to heaven <laughs> by yeah. being yourself. And, like, as a, in a black family, you can go to church th- two or three times a week. And if you're dealing with that, like, you're hearing that. Like, what does that do to your soul to, like, hear that so much and to, like, walk around feeling like the people who you love and care about, like, all think you're, like, going to hell. And so I feel like that coupled with the fact that it's 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 just not a thing that's talked about. Like I have friends who have uh African and Caribbean like parents who are very, very much like no. Yeah. Like no. And like there are countries in Africa that have a very like crazy relationship with dealing with gay people and how they treat them. Um, but I feel like there's residue uh, of that all over our community here where if black men have been pushed into a, a corner in a way where their identity has become so uh, built up around like strength and protection and, and uh, like anger and and all the things that are a product of what it means to be a black man in America up against white supremacy and all the things that happen to you on a daily basis. And so you end up hardening yourself in a way that's not healthy. But I think part of that hyper-masculinity is it's so connected to uh, dominance over women and, and how that makes you more of a man that it becomes impossible to talk about anything other than that or to be to be seen as anything other than a man who who conquers women um that's just not a thing you can be you can't be seen as powerful masculine strong uh and also like men yeah <laughs> and so it's it's a corner that's being turned like now i notice I see more and more masculine men in gay spaces than I ever did when I was, like, in college or, like, in in my 20s, which is, like, interesting. It's like, oh, there's, like, the corner's being turned, but weirdly, people separate themselves from the community to gain that freedom instead of staying in that community to, to like, repair the mentality, to change the minds, to, like, help people grow. I totally know what you're talking about. I mean, f- first of all, I want to say, like, it makes perfect sense to me that a community or a demographic that has been subjugated for hundreds of years yeah. <laughs> uh, would then feel like if I relax for a second— I'm going to be victimized. Right. Like, of course that makes sense. Yeah. Right? So I think, like, it's on culture to make black men feel safe. Right. So that, like, you – so that one could let down your guard for a fucking second. Like, right. that that's real, right? So, like, 
oh, why do why would a black man have to perform hypermasculinity? I feel like the answer is right. like in our history, or it's literally like open Twitter, like yeah, open Twitter right. today, exactly. yesterday, or anytime. <laughs> you know, like you know, right. what I, you know, the answers are there. And, and just so people know, like it, like no one is saying black people are the only homophobic people on the planet. Like, oh no, yeah. Like people always love to throw that out there, and but we're talking specifically about this, me, my experience. So I just like to throw that out there because people always go, you make it seem like black people. I was like, no, I'm black. I'm talking about <laughs> my experience. I'm talking about my community. We know, like, they come in all shades of color. <laughs> like, but that's not what it is. I'm really glad you said that. I'm really glad that you said that. And yes, of course, that's true. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out how to, like, be an ally that asks, like, the right questions that comes up from a place of understanding, but also not be a white person that's like, right. oh, what is it like in your community? Because my well, community, we fucking figured it out. Like, nah, <laughs> no, man, I travel just, this country. I know what it's like. Yeah, it's it's different. It's different negative experiences from everybody's community, whether you're Muslim, mm-hmm. black, white, whatever it is. Like, there's it, there are plenty of LGBT supporting black people who aren't in the community. Um, but the... The problems that we face when you hear uh, people talking about gay people negatively in, in spaces that are very masculine, like barbershops and, and places like that, which I still hear like constantly, um, you you have to get you have to figure out like what it is about when a group of black men get together that they feel that that's like. What are you? Why are you holding on to that hate for? Like, where is that coming from? And especially when you don't know who who who's among you, like who might be a member of that community, like you're just talking about it openly. And I think, like it, it, with with my family, when I came out in almost. 10 years ago. I like that you looked at your watch. It <laughs> made know, me right? feel great. What's, what's today's date? June 2nd. You have a, you have a reminder <laughs> set. <laughs> it's an anniversary reminder. <laughs> uh, like, since that happened, it's never come up again. Oh, wow. Wow. Like, it's never. No one asked. Like, I think the only person I have conversations with <clears throat> openly about it is my sister, but like no one asks who I'm dating or like anything like that. And and anytime it's ever brought up, it's in the context of women. Hey man, I'm really, you know what? <laughs> I'm like genuinely sorry to hear that. And you know, I'll, I I have heard that from so many folks. Like I know that is a an experience that a lot of people in the community have. Yeah. Where it's like you come out, and then sometimes folks are just like, okay, well, we did that, as if it's like a hurdle. Not your <laughs> right. life, you know. Right. Like it's just like, oh, made it through, right. okay. And then you're like, well, I'm still living every yeah. day, you know. Never. Like I would love to give you some context about what my life is like, right? Because like, I would always joke with my friends, like the the fact that the last two people I dated were women, it makes it easy to not talk about. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> so like, it just becomes like not uh, at all a thing until like one day, if I ever come home with a guy. Uh, then it's like 
Here we go again, guys. <laughs> You're like, oh, we happened? we thought that we weren't ta- if we didn't <laughs> right. talk about it, we wouldn't wake <laughs> we, the giant that was like in the away. corner sleeping. Right. Well, that's when you said when you said when you were talking about um, folks like sort of completely separate themselves and like creating this other uh, community like that. Right. That's why I said I know just what you're talking about because I think well, there's a specificity in being bisexual that. And that, this, that's not just true for the black community. That's true for, like, every community where there's, mm-hmm. like, um, this hyper queer identified right. part of culture where it's like, no, I just go to gay bars. I, like, love All drag. Right. I mean, we know right. what it looks like, right. right? That thing. And because of what it is to be bi, I would imagine it's like you can't fully right. live in that space. Or you, I mean, you can. I guess you could be bi date men for the rest of your life. Yeah. Never, you know. But right. because you might occasionally, like – have this um, shift in how you're read by the outside world. It's like you're straddling this line where, like, you kind of can't fully dive into that community. It's like I think about – I mean, again, just talking about TV, it's like I think about the show Noah's Ark. Did you ever watch that show? I did. I was a big fan of Noah's Ark. I love Noah's Ark, but it's also, like, about a very self-contained gay community. Yeah, when my show got announced, I remember uh, there was an account, one of those, like, entertainment type accounts that tweeted my show was would be the first show with a queer black lead since that show and I remember replying to it that like Patrick Ian Polk was like my like savior <laughs> when I was a kid like when I was in in college and that show was out because look what you like, just did do you see that I have goosebumps on my arm actual <laughs> literal goosebumps <laughs> <laughs> and he replied to it it was one of those things where it's like I having s- that show, seeing that, even though they were all gay, it was still like just seeing black men be anything other than straight was amazing. And I remember at the time when I first discovered the show, I bought the DVDs and I hid them because I didn't want anybody to like just stumble upon them and be like, what's this What's all this? Oh, he's, like, he's like really into the church, I guess. Just like, <laughs> just like very into <laughs> right. saving animals two by two. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's just like, just a good show that I watch. No, no reason. Um, but yeah, like, like having to like watch that in secret as like a college, like, what was I like 20? I had, I had to be like in my early twenties, like toward the end of college. Um, I feel like we're maybe the same-ish age. How old are you? 33. Okay, I'm 36, so I'm a little older than you. But, like, same thing where I was, like, discovering that. Right. Because, like, that show was uh, not, like, sort of concurrently with the L word after Queer as Folk. So there had been, like, literally, like, three shows that had at all a community. But then Queer as Folk, I don't know if – I don't remember any black characters – on the L word, there was one. <laughs> right. There was one who like stood for all. Right. <laughs> all, uh, That's usually how it is. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then, um, but Noah's Ark was great because those those actors also had like chemistry with each other. Yeah. There was, was a lot of care. And they weren't like they were being fully who they were. Like Patrick mm-hmm. Polk did a great job with just being like, I'm gonna make these characters like the people I know, and it was just great to see it even if you like didn't like necessarily care for the content or whatever it was it was like these people are living a a version of my life (laughs) do you remember how you heard about it i'm so curious 
I think it might have come from uh, – I think I might have even saw an ad on Logo or something. Right. Because I used to watch when, like – I remember when Logo got announced and I was like, oh, yeah, a channel. Like with, with stuff, with anything that I'm like – might be able to relate to in another way. And uh, it was, like, such a big deal. And, like, Kate McKinnon was on that, like, big Oh, yeah, yeah, big gay sketch show. Absolutely. And uh, she was, was like, that was great. And I think it was because I saw an ad for it. Because it had been, I don't think I had come into it in season one. Maybe I did. Um, But I think it definitely came from watching Logo and... I was like, oh, shit, black people. <laughs> <laughs> Here on Logo, even? Right. Impossible. Well, because, you know, you and I also are, like, kind of at, a, at an age where it's like, this isn't that long ago, but you wouldn't have heard about it on social media. Right. Which is also why I ask, because it's right. like we had to kind of, like, learn about things, like you're saying, with, like, an ad. Yeah, Like, an what? Ad. What or would like that be? Commercials? Right. How would you even find? Yeah. yeah. Someone telling you or, like like digging into some like blog and then like clicking through a bunch of time and being like, I didn't even know about this. Like the way I found movies and stuff like that. Like when I was sort of at the same age where I would be, um, like I had like original Netflix. Well, my girlfriend did. I didn't have original Netflix. (laughs) I've like never had a Netflix account ever, but my girlfriend did. And we would kind of like get, like I always think about the DVDs that we would get of the L word or like whatever movie we would find, right? And we watched like anything gay, like so gay gay dudes, like yeah. literally everything. But then I, I thought so many times about those physical discs, which <laughs> were probably being shipped to like every gay person right. in America's <laughs> right. house. It was a way to just identify. Like if like, they just fingerprinted right. them, they would have had all of us. Right. They like Mike Pence, you fucking missed it, man. Like you, you had was, your chance. It was Netflix DVDs. We were That's all, all touching them, and right. then like, yeah, like you could have had them, your database, <laughs> putting them right back in, mailing them to each other. Do you still have those DVDs? The Noah's Ark. I do. DVDs? I yeah. still have them in storage somewhere with all my other DVDs. <laughs> <no longer need. laughs> what are we going to do with this? I don't I have a box <laughs> with like 300 DVDs from when people watch movies on DVD. Queeros, I am so excited about today's sponsor because it is Audible. Audible rules. Audible is something I have had a subscription to for a couple of years. I use it all the time. They have the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And I am a listener. I listen while I'm hiking around, while I'm on planes. I honestly, truly love it. Hey, you want to improve your life? Maybe give reading a chance. And if reading is too hard to find time for, why not listening to books? With Audible subscription, you get a credit every month, good for any audiobook, regardless of price, and unused credits roll over to the next month. If you don't like your audiobook, you can exchange it, no questions asked. Plus, The books are yours to keep, so you can go back and re-listen anytime, even if you cancel your membership. Friends, go to audible.com slash query or text query to 500-500. That's audible.com slash query, Q-U-E-E-R-Y-A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash query or text query to 500-500. You can do it with audiobooks. Hey Queeros, it's Pride Month, which means we're shouting out the LGBT shows that Earwolf offers, including Homophilia. I've been a guest. In fact, I think it was their first guest that like launched the podcast. So like, wow. It's hosted by my buddies Dave Holmes and Matt McGonkey. They do everything from have in-depth chats to also like talk a lot about pop culture. I mean, that's really what's 
not a part of query and query was just like all deep serious chats all the time which i fucking love but if you ever need a little levity to add to your life on queer themes head on over to homophilia episodes are released every friday just head over to stitcher or apple podcasts or wherever you listen and check out homophilia Do you remember any other thing, like, after that that made you feel, like, when you watched it? I remember, weirdly, do you remember the movie Edge of Seventeen? <sighs> what it, is that? I, it th- was this, like, it was, like, a white gay coming-of-age movie. Like, this kid, high school kid, like, kind of falls in love with this, like, older kid who was, like, I think he's, like, Either a senior or a freshman in college, and well, how has this like escaped my? It's a. It was, this is my superpower. It's like I a, like know all queer media. It's but like you a have fairly. Named something I it don't was like know. a. Well, it's like a fairly well known like gay coming of age movie. Wow, I'm ashamed. Um, I've seen it maybe twice, but the first time I saw it, it was like um, I was like, oh man, this is like really fucking cool. Like to see this story, like a high school kid discovering himself like through this other like older boy and like figuring out like what's going on and like who he is and um it was i I saw that actually like on logo i think it was Mm. and it was one of those things where you go you know how people are always like i think kumail nanjani mentioned this at the oscars about like people saying you can't have black and brown movies because white people can't see themselves in it. And you're like, he's like, I've been seeing myself in white movies my entire life. Like, how is this a thing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can watch anything and identify with it if you're not like a fucking asshole who's like thinking, well, I would, I would love this movie if that character was my skin color. Like, no, like every movie is pretty much for you. (laughs) Like almost every, every year, 90% of the movies Look, the people look like you. So, what are you complaining about? Like, just be a human and watch the movie. I feel and, that way as a comic all the time because yeah. sometimes, you know, people will be like, "How is somebody supposed to relate to your comedy?" I'm like, I am being so specific about my life because that's how I'm going to tell you how I feel in the world, like as a human, right. emotionally with partners. If you, if that feels like, like the specificity doesn't work for you, you, yeah, you lack empathy. Yeah. Because I'm talking about like, you know, when you're dating and you have this feeling or when you're married and that's how you are or you're like a goon, you feel like a weirdo in your skin and stuff and your body and then it's like, these are all really relatable things. It's just that I'm getting specific because that's how I'm trying to show you who I am. Right. So like, meet me there. Meet me at specificity, not necessarily... I don't need you to be a lesbian. I don't <laughs> right. need you to be white. Right. You can be yeah. whoever you are. You can just are. watch the movie and be like, that's a thing that I've felt before yeah. as a human. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter what color the person who's projecting this story onto me is. It's yeah, just People forget all the time how much underrepresented communities have had to do this for forever. our entire lives. Yeah, forever. <laughs> and then also, like, especially now, there's like, what, uh, three massively commercially successful movies starring like a mostly black cast and so everybody's just like well I guess all movies are black now and you're like I think it's been three (laughs) right I think we had Girls Trip I think we had Black Panther I think we had Moonlight and they panic yeah like like, wait what's happening all the movies 
are black. Like, no, it's three. It just turns out people of color have money to spend and they yeah. like to see themselves right. in media. It also turns out that like people of color actually know other people of color. <laughs> right. It's not like you were saying earlier, just like one random right. like like it a turns scientist out. who's yeah. who's just like cast as a black man walking right. through the background <laughs> pushing up their glasses. I disagree. And right. then like the, the rest of the movie's just like white people right. shooting dinosaurs. I feel like there are movies where yeah. there might be a whole community of people that know each other, There's just like, like in real life. What world do these people live in? <laughs> or they're like, it's two black people <laughs> in the whole fucking town. Where well, did you grow up? Compton. Mm. Yeah. And do you still go to like the same church or do you still know any um, of the same folks? Because like, I, mean, I, I, I grew up so far away from here. My life is very different now than it was then. I know a lot of people who still live there who I went to school with or – I grew up with my family. My some of my family still lives there. Um, I'm not there very often, just because I'm like most. I live in New York primarily, and uh, since I've been oh, here, I didn't realize that. I thought you lived here primarily. You live oh, in New no. York primarily. Yeah, but I just came back in January to work on camping, and I had just gave up my LA apartment like a week and a half before they offered me this job to come back out Perfect. here, <laughs> and so. Yeah, since I had since I had moved there initially for John Stewart, I had um, I had just that's just where I had been living, and um, but I don't because like Compton is like in L.A. traffic, a forty five minute journey from like West Hollywood, and the hours that I work, I just never have time to go home. And but my mom lives even further away; she's like way in like San Bernardino somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's like. An hour and a half, two hour can be a two hour commute. So, um, yeah, it's just I, I do. I still know a lot of people there, but I'm not there as often. I guess I thought you had lived here the whole time, which is why it always is interesting to me when folks are like from LA and then they live and work here because I just don't. For me, like working here and living here is is so. Like I moved here at thirty, so it feels very much like of my adult life, and I restarted, and, right. and all the friends I have now are people who met me at 30. You know, right. I didn't have, like, I don't have folks around me who, like, knew me prior to coming out and stuff right. like that. Those folks live in Boston or they live in Chicago. They live right. at, like, different parts of my life. So for me, L.A. feels very, um, like, located in just a certain part of my life, which yeah. I think would be different to, like, live here, make a show like you're making. And there's people right. around who you knew or who knew you at different times in your life. Well, yeah, because the, the, the plan is to shoot the show in New York, actually. And um, I don't know where we'll write it. Hopefully we'll write it in New York. But um, I don't – it's funny because my friends – a lot of like my black friends know about me being out and everything – some of them at least, um, and it'll come up very, like, rarely. Like, even if I see them, um, it will almost never be a part of the conversation. Um, but, like, when the Gay Times cover came out last week, a lot of people were sending me, like, congratulations about that. But then there were people who were like, I had no idea. And it's so funny because even though I've talked about it for so long on so many different outlets and so many different, like, interviews and things, there's still so many people who are just like, I didn't know. And I feel like I can't talk about it enough, <laughs> <laughs> like, to get people to just be... That's why I was so happy about the show, too, because I was like, this will finally make it so that I have to stop, like, 
coming out a hundred times a year <laughs> to like so people just see it and then you know. And even still, people st- like having the show be announced. Like there's still people it, who I like know who are just like, really? I had no. I I guarantee you, there's people who I work with on camping who still don't know, even though there are a lot of them who do. There's still people I bet you who who, who have no idea, and wow. it's such a funny like world to live in where you are constantly feeling like you're still having to tell people or like if it comes up in any way you have to like do that all over again over and over and over again so I'm, I'm very happy to like get to a point eventually where I don't have to keep doing that where it's like I get that look at that billboard yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that I mean I uh, I think sometimes folks that like sometimes straight folks don't understand that a big part of why I talk about my sexuality and why I like started as a comic talking about my sexuality so openly is to do exactly what you're talking about. It's just like come out all the time at once, like up top, like just like a real swirl of coming out just because like it's so exhausting on a daily basis to just be like, no, this is what's going on. And it sometimes can be very uncomfortable too, because it's like a coworker you're trying to fit like, okay, how do I like shoehorn this in here? Or like, you know, you're just trying to live your life. I love, that's why I love when people ask questions, like talk about, like, especially like if you're, a close friend of mine or someone like, yeah, ask, like, talk about it. Like, that's how we fucking, like, move the needle. Like, have the conversations. Like, don't feel weirded out that you, like, can't bring it up. Like, if you you have a question, like, just fucking ask. How, like, are you seeing any? Like, I do have friends who go, who ask me, like, who I'm seeing or if I'm seeing anybody. And they tend to fall on uh, either people, the people closest to me or, like, my gay and lesbian friends um but it's it's funny how people shy so hard away from it and then it puts all the burden on you yeah like you have to be the one that brings it up yeah like if if i just like show up one day with a boyfriend it's just like okay so this is what we're doing (laughs) oh man does that feel kind of lonely like that people don't ask you stuff um it's funny you say that it is a little uh, I've been actually trying to write about this. Like I was thinking about just writing an essay because people have been asking me to write for different like outlets or contribute or whatever of just like how do you feel – how are you surrounded by people and lonely at the same time? Yeah. And it's such a uh, a crazy thing that I've just been like mulling over of just like living in this like, straddling two worlds and – um also trying to like date and and those kind of things it just makes it it's i'm try i'm even still still processing it like now especially like this is probably the longest i've been single in like 3 or 4 years maybe um so that's also been interesting just like the timing of it all like being single when you're like on a magazine cover oh, <laughs> like wow. And like the all the things that like oh, co- wow. that go yeah. along with that's that. a lot, like, <laughs> yeah. And you're just like, now I don't know. Like, you can't even decipher who actually is interested in you and who oh, actually wow. is interested in like the person with the TV show. And the oh person, man, like, I'm the, like, like grabbing my forehead because <laughs> this does sound like a lot. It's it, a lot. It's 
it's it's we it's stressful in a way that I can barely process sometimes. Where it's just like I, I'm, it's like what the fuck am I like? What is happening? <laughs> like what is going on? Mm. And like I feel like now at this age, I'm getting to the point where I like want to just have a consistent, steady, good thing in my life and not have to. Uh, spend the next like three or four years dating that kind of shit, like, like especially now. But, um, but also being overly cautious about like who who you end up dating, that kind of thing. Um, but it is complicated. The You're, cautiousness is from not knowing if people are genuine. Is that what it's from? Yeah, like just kind of like I get it. Like if I'm always I'm always like if you didn't find me from this thing, would you have, like, still, would you still be sending me these messages? <laughs> like, that yeah. kind of thing. But at the same time, um, I feel like it pushes you to fall back on people you are familiar with. Sure. Because you're like, at least I know this person. I've known this person for a certain period They know the real me. They know yeah. who I am. And so I trust that their connection is is genuine. And um I mean I'm looking forward to like not having to do this <laughs> anymore. I mean <laughs> like, also some of that's okay. Like some some of is, somebody knowing um like what you're about can right. be okay. Sure. Because like I met I met my wife um through Rhea knowing a little bit of, like about what I was about like mm-hmm. and what I was trying to do career-wise but you're right there's a it's such a specific line yeah and it's like appreciation that's fine that's good right, right. but it can't be um but it has to be genuine it has right. to be coming from a place of then wanting to know like what you're about that you don't show people because you also have like this whole other side of you that has right. nothing to do with your career right that's true for anybody that has any type of job it's like there's the person you are at work there's the person you are at home yeah i mean there's there's definitely two like when you think about do you want kids and all that kind of stuff and, like, how, like, old do you want to be as mm-hmm. a parent? Like, when do you— I know. Is that making—that's uh, making me sweat just to bring it up. <laughs> Shoot, I got to drink some of this coffee. So I got to get I gotta get home and find a baby right now. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a lot. Like, I, like, I don't— I don't feel myself gaining energy as mm. the years go by. No, no, sir. <laughs> no, like, I do not. All my friends who are, like, new parents— uh, when I asked them, I'm like, "What's what's going on? How is it?" And they're like, "It's the like greatest thing ever, but like also it's the worst thing." <laughs> like I, I know I haven't slept and got like all this time, and I'm like, "So you're saying I shouldn't do it?" And they're like, "No, you should totally do it." And I'm like, "Is this like a misery loves company kind of thing? <laughs> like you also want me to do this because you did it, and we can both be awake." together. Well, right. I mean, it's also like we're living in this moment right now where you get to choose a little bit more timing wise. So like my sister just had her first kid at 39 and she's like, I'm so glad that I, like I was totally ready right now. But then she's also like, but, but straight up, like this should have been medically impossible. Like I I should not have been biologically able to do this because I'm too tired to be doing this right now. But at the same time, like good on me for achieving so many things career wise first. Like I made the right choice, but also, oh my God, this is the wrong choice. (laughs) Yeah. I remember. It's so funny that that advice rings in my head constantly where I remember me and John, when I was working at Daily Show, were sitting in the conference room and he'd ask, like, did I, did I want kids? And I was like, yeah, I think maybe someday. 
And he was like, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. He was like, do it early because kids are a young man's game. Okay, John like, Stewart. And Sure. And because uh, he, he's like, it is it is it takes a lot of energy especially when you like do what we do and you're like at work 12 hours a day or you're like like working tv like it's just not uh, a job that uh, pumps you full of energy you come home very tired the last thing you would want to do is like deal with a kid on top of all that after 12 13 hours of working on a tv show so the older you get, the harder <laughs> that I mean, becomes. I mean, I hear all of that, right? Yeah. And I feel like I've been given the same advice. And then I also have friends that are like, just fit it in. Fit it in between. But then I, <laughs> I also want to kind of always say to that, like, I understand that that it's not like straight cisgender people can just like always mag- magically have a baby exactly when they want to. Right. But if you're at all in the queer community, this shit is more complex. complex. Like, it is just more complex. Right. There's other factors coming yeah. in that like – it's not something that I can uh, make happen right. ever by accident or <laughs> right. ever by fun. You know, it's, like, it's going to be like a series of Very, forms. Right. Regardless, <laughs> right. there's always going to be something I have to sign. Right. So I, I'm trying to figure out how to factor that in too when you're like, no, I know everything you're saying is right. But like, do you understand how much paperwork is involved in this for me? <laughs> right. And then like. Sometimes I go on vacation and I'm like, oh, this is nice that I don't have to think about anything <laughs> totally. other than myself. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and I bought like one ticket or like mm-hmm. two tickets and that's it. The one thing that always <clears throat> excuse me, the one thing that always makes me feel like maybe I don't want kids is when I'm in the airport and I see a dad with like three or four kids and he's trying to wrangle them to get them on the plane and like one's screaming in the stroller and one's running away from him and he's like holding one and, I, and like every time I see this I'm like God, it just makes my body just like shut down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's also probably because you like fly a lot for work. Yeah. Like, th- like our jobs involve yeah. travel. So right. we already fucking dread air travel. Yeah. You're just like, I have my system. This is right. how I get through yeah. the airport because I have to do it so much. It's so seamless. Sometimes I, re- I like have to remind myself that those big families probably don't like they probably don't commute right. on a Monday through Friday schedule right. constantly. Like it's like they're getting through it like that. Yeah. And like, it's like their, their annual trip. And I've seen like, like taking kids to like Caribbean islands and things like that. I'm like, you're going on vacation with all of them? Like, how is <laughs> but this But that's because be? they're like, I just have to get there and I just have to get back and I'll do it again in three to five years. Right. Like that's like, right. that's like, very different. Man, good, good luck to you. Yeah, man, exactly. But. Cheers. Congratulations on your achievement for getting those children somewhere. But I'm like, yeah, where, like, when does that, when does that happen? Like, do I just fucking play it by ear. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't have Do you I, plan it? Do you just let it happen? Do you like I'm I have three years on you, so why don't you ask me in two years? And I'll give you like just a little bit of reconnaissance from down the road. Well the the one thing I, I the one thing I don't want to happen is like I know me and I know how much I love to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you think you're gonna sleep through having a baby. <laughs> exactly. I don't want I don't want it to happen and then I'm like Oh fuck! Like what? 
what did I just do? <laughs> like, I think you figure it out though, because the thing is, is like you're talking about your job, and it's like, right. yeah, I have to get up at five o'clock in the morning. That you just figure. I think you figure all of it out. I think the problem is you and I have had too much time to think about it. Yeah, That's yeah. the problem. It's also, like when you like, have all this planning, you can be like, oh, I'm terrified <laughs> of this. Also, like I know the five a.m. wake-ups end in three weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> no, that's like, a fair point. You're like, you're like, like eighteen years. Yeah, that's right, how long I've right. got. It's like three weeks, and I get to go back to waking up at ten. <laughs> But I think part of it, I truly think it's like, it's like when you have to wait a, on a, a very long line to go on a roller coaster, right. where if like you just walked on, you'd be fine. Right. But it's like, if you're like, oh, two hours from now, I'm going to do something that might scare me. Right. Like, that's fucking yeah. the worst. Yeah, so exactly. that's, it's like, you need a baby fast pass, but we don't have that <laughs> because we're just too complicated. Well, I want to ask you, I want to ask you another couple questions that I felt like I was about to get to. And then I started making some side conversation uh, just about, like, your experience, I guess, kind of in the comedy world. Because you are saying, you know, like, your personal friendships and things like that, your family relationships. You're kind of talking about what it's like to be out in those spaces. And then you were saying that not all of your coworkers know. But, like, what's it like just been, been like, generally in the comedy world to sort of have this identity, not always be sure if folks know about it? Right. Like, any of that? Um, I mean – I feel like most of my comedy friends are aware because those are the people you probably associate with the most mm -hmm. or you see the most and, like, we all follow each other on social media. I was just saying, plus so people like, know what's up yeah, so they see like what, Twitter and stuff. Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, got it. see what's going on. And so um, in that regard, it's it's been, like, totally, like, fine. Like, I don't um, – like, I get offered – jobs and things because of it like people know and they're like oh this is like a show that has that could use your expertise kind of thing um but um i've never funny enough i've never really talked about it on stage because i just i'd always talked about like politics and other and like uh observational shit and i just never found uh I was like, I'm going to talk about it when I feel like I have something to really say about it. Because um, I do know that, like, there are, like, queer comics who, like, never talk about it. because, But they're, like, hilarious and it's just not a part of their stand-up. It's just, like, it's a part of their life. Like, they'll talk about it the moment they get off stage. But it's just, like, it's just not what I talk about up here. Um, I feel like once I've found uh, a way to talk about it that I find like interesting or fascinating enough then I'll probably do it like start doing jokes about it but also like I also haven't done a lot of stand up in the last like year or so just because of working in TV yeah. um, and I probably have come up with more things to talk about in that time period <laughs> um, but yeah it's been it's been it's been really fine like I was in the beginning I was like worried like oh how's, how's this gonna like be um, cause people love to force you into a corner, like the gay comics, the like, m like the black comics, the like that whole thing. Um, but it's not, it's not really changed anything. Mm. It's been a lot of the, pretty much the same. Do you think any part of folks like not asking you follow up questions? I just wonder if it, if any of it has to do with like how you present. And what I mean by that is like, you look so, um, anything it's like you don't look you're yeah. not trying to claim of right. visual part queerness of yeah i think that's so. part of it i think it feels very like no heteronormative to people mm. where they just like they probably forget 
<laughs> right. Um, and it, it's just like, it doesn't, it's not like in their face. It's not like obvious to them that when they look at me and go, they can like identify oh, like, right. oh, he's wearing like pink nail polish all the time or some type right. of like. Or she's wearing shorts with boots, which is what <laughs> I'm wearing right now because I had to run out yeah. of the house and I didn't realize that I look like a park ranger. It's fine. Yeah. It's good to look like a park ranger. <laughs> it's cool. I, th- I think that. I think that that has probably played a played a big part of it in just my life in general that I mean I think I where did I write or talk about like just even in school like I remember kids who would get picked on for looking gay or like being perceived as gay and I never had any I never presented in any of those ways so in a way I was like I felt like lucky mm. or like like I was like, oh, like lucky me. I just seemed like one of the guys. And I think that carried over to adulthood where it's just like people just forget. Isn't that weird? Because it's also like when I, you know, when we met downstairs, I was like, oh, you're like a tall person. Because right. I'm like a tiny person. I always think everybody's going to be my same size. And right. and I, I also think it's like the things that we identify and associate with queerness are, are so arbitrary we're like how tall are you six seven yeah so like i literally think and you're also you have like what broad shoulders like a you know like you're like a big dude you're like a burly looking like strong looking guy and so i feel like it's like our our brains are so dumb somebody would literally be like this person's like too tall for gay like like (laughs) gay's not tall like gay's like small like they're like (laughs) you know it's like are we're so arbitrary we're just so silly that's exactly why i want to like tear down all of that shit where it's just like (laughs) like you don't have to you shouldn't be able to look at a person and immediately just start compartmentalizing who you think they are like you should be able to look like me or look like you and you still not assume you're a lesbian or assume I'm straight like you that's just how it should be like and so many I think so many of the factors that contribute to what ends up being like things that harm us or our community is people going, uh, looking at you and, and immediately judging you. Like there are people who will say, who've said like negative things to me about gay people having no idea, thinking that it was like a safe space to say something like that. And then I had to tell them, I was like, well, just so you know, <laughs> you just said that too. And then it becomes like the whole song and dance of trying to clean it up. And you're just like, well, it's too late now. Um, yeah. And that's the danger of it, where it's like, you know what? Like, not every uh, gay, bi, lesbian person looks like what you think they look like. And uh, you should just fucking let people be. You should just stop assuming this equals that. That, like, this is what masculine looks like. This is what gay looks like. And, um, yeah, that's a big part of what I want to do on my show, which is just like, for people to see someone who they look at and would all, 10 out of 10 people would probably go, oh, that's a straight guy. And uh, be like, actually, no, this is, they look like me too. Yeah, I love that. Because I was at a bar last weekend uh, watching the Cavs game in West Hollywood. Um, and Wait, are you a Cavs fan? Do we have we no, talked about this? No, you no. no. I was just watching. Who, I just, who are you? Who are you? I'm a Lakers fan. Oh God! But, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I was just gonna say that 
Rhea's a huge Cavs fan. We would have had I to do have support, a whole conversation I do support about them it. Yes. Uh, by proxy. I okay. do support them All because right. I have some, like, friends, close Ohio friends, but also there's, like, Homage is t-shirt company in Ohio, who I love. I know all about like, Homage. They, they send uh, us stuff. They send, yeah, they yeah, send Rhea's, me stuff. Rhea's so, in deep over there. Yeah, so I, uh, <laughs> I, but I like when my team's not. I support. I support LeBron and, and the Cavs. Okay, great. That's. I had um, to make sure that was true so yeah. that we didn't have to end the interview. <laughs> Every person has to say I support LeBron and the Cavs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wholeheartedly. But you were saying you're at but, the you were yeah. watching the Cavs game, and that there was uh, a guy who walked. These actually, it was two guys who walked in. And I was like, are these, like, straight guys just, like, just want to watch the game at this bar? Like, I legit had that same where I was like, what's going on here? Because, like, if they're straight, I'm interested because it's cool that they feel comfortable hanging out here. And if they're not, it's, like, great to see, like, these type of guys feeling comfortable enough to come to a place like that, because we were like the only, probably only three or four black people in there. Mm. But that part was fascinating to me. It was just like, oh, I wonder how many people. There was a straight, uh, well, I won't say straight couple. I can't assume what they were. There was a couple there, a man and a woman. Um, they could very well both be uh, whatever. Anything. Anything. Yes. And, um, but it was like, I was just fascinated in the environment of like how people move through spaces because there are a lot of straight people who hang out in West Hollywood and like are comfortable going to the bars and taking advantage of those drink specials. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I remember having that moment where I was like doing what people do to me. Interesting. (laughs) Like what's happening here? Yeah, that's really interesting. (laughs) I mean, the other thing is like, I also think I also think that it is cool and rad to, like, want to look identifiably queer. And I also think, yeah. well, you know, what's awesome about what the conversation that you're having is, like, that all of it's on the table and all of it is improved by conversation, like yeah. you're saying. Yeah. It's literally like, well, why, like, oh, why do you present like that? And then, like, have folks talk about it or whatever. Like, these are love, really like, cool conversations. I love when I see queer people who, like— are like outwardly trying to like let you know like yeah. this is like I when I see them walking I'm like I love you like go like I'm so happy for you it, like but I couldn't if I tried to do that it would be me faking it because it's just exactly not, it's just nobody not, needs to be doing that yeah. nobody needs to be doing that yeah. nobody needs to be putting on something that yeah. isn't them it's like I would like. I wish I could pull that off, <laughs> but like that's just not who I am as a person. Like this is who I am, and I'm so glad that you get to be who you are, and you get to like dress that way and look beautiful and sexy and all those things. But it's like I can't put that on and like still feel like me. That's just not who I am. But like I should get to be me. And be a part of the community, and you should get to be you, yep. and be a part of the community. And uh, and so it's like, who cares what you outwardly identify as or outwardly look like? You shouldn't just fucking ju- you shouldn't judge people. You should let people be who they are. And wouldn't the dream be like if this conversation and that mentality could eventually like move into straight culture? Yeah. So like, that like straight people weren't so constantly fucking stressed out yeah, because I like, feel like. That would reduce violence enormously. Absolutely. Like, you should be able to dress that way and still be straight. And yeah, it not matter. Like, wouldn't not, that be fucking yeah, mind-blowing? Like, if you just want to fucking dress 
and like like David Bowie and not have people question your sexuality. Yeah. Like fucking do cool. it because Bowie was fucking awesome. <laughs> like just like do what you want. Like I think there was a um I don't know where I saw it, but something about how um men like these straight men who cross dress um at these like big event like parties or something, how it was like considered okay in this particular space because it was a way for them <clears throat> to let out this part of them that wanted to be this level of free, but they could only allow themselves to do it in this space, in this time, in this context, and not in their everyday lives. And that's sad <laughs> that you don't feel that level of freedom in your everyday life to just like be whoever the fuck you want to be and it not mean a thing. Yeah. It just, you like, you can be who you are and you can be the most like manliest man. And like, if you want to wear fucking tight jeans or a dress or whatever, like fucking do it. And it changed nothing about you. I think what we're advocating for is actually straight pride parades. <laughs> you know how people are always like, where's my straight pride parade? And then we're like, well, it's every day. But then it's also not. Right. Like, people are so fucking stressed out and nervous all the time. I nah, think, all yeah. of us, all of us having constant parades right. of constant pride. <laughs> I do. I think that's a big part of it where it's like they don't have – you see people being free and you don't feel like you have the permission to do it and you feel – confined to your your straight masculine identity or your, whatever society's told you you're supposed to be and you're looking at these people go look I get to do and be whatever the fuck I want and I think we all crave that freedom and I think we all deserve that freedom and I think it's up to us by having the conversation to to allow especially men of all colors to like just free yourself from this societal version of what you think a man is supposed to be. Like, it's so archaic, this idea of, like, a man is supposed to do this and be a provider and be strong and never cry and, like, like fuck that. Like, I can't even tell you any time in my life I've heard a man say, I feel sad or, like, that hurt me. I, 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 I legitimately can't. And that's sad. That, that like, makes me feel sad. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, like the fact that like you can't even talk about um, how you feel to anyone. And I think that has to die. Like the idea of of what you've been told a man is supposed to be has to die. And I think not only does it free men, but it like it frees women to not no longer be victims of this fucking crazy awful, toxic identity that men wake up every morning and put on and go out into the world thinking, this is who I have to be. And it's really hard to to let it go. But, I mean, I think when you experience what freedom feels like, <laughs> you'll, you'll wish you'd done it a lot sooner. Okay, well, that was beautiful. You did an amazing job of articulating, <laughs> like, a life... <laughs> lifelong mission statement and you're thank a you. delight and I'm just like so glad I had a chance to talk oh, to you thank you I'm so happy I got to do this it's yeah. really fun and before I send you back out into your life and for you to continue the awesome work that you're doing I just wanted to give you a chance to shout out a queero which is a person or place or thing that made you feel confident in the person you are oh man I, there's so many um, 
I mean, my mind immediately goes to like James Baldwin, who I feel like could see through the world in this country like nobody else. And just the way he wrote and the things he the things he said. And then like Freddie Mercury, who I love, <laughs> who is just one of the most amazing performers and just outwardly expressive queer people who like just like I think about him when I need to like feel that type of like ownership of of myself like just like fuck whatever you think about me because like I can go out in a leotard and like yeah belt out this amazing fucking song and have a an arena with a fucking hundred thousand people going nuts like it's it's like from an entertainment perspective like Freddie is someone who I, I I admire so much but from a a personal like life perspective like James is somebody like I carry around a copy of of uh, the fire next time with me everywhere I go, it's like tattered and like fucked up. <laughs> but like it's in my bag, no matter where I go, I just have it with me. Oh man, I mean, great, great choices. <laughs> and I, I also think you know when when we talk about Freddie, it's like so you know his, because Queen songs have been sort of repurposed or like appropriated as like sports culture, right. which is also great and right. fine. But that feeling of like pumping you up to be your best, right? That like. That is meant to apply to the thing you were just talking about, which right. is like that personal freedom, like right. go out and be the yeah. person that you are. It's like we think of it as if it's like go out and and, <laughs> and, and like I want to see you doing layups. Right. I want to see you dunking. But it's really like go out and, you know, like yeah. strut, strut the streets however you want to. Yeah, that's why Don't Stop Me Now is my favorite Queen song. That's my um, favorite Queen song. Yeah, it's my favorite Queen song. <laughs> I used to song. listen to it all the time I before st- going on yeah, stage I to still do stand-up. Do. Like, yeah, fucking, that's like, my favorite too. It is my absolute favorite song like to me it just it embodies everything about life the life I want to live and the way I want to represent myself and um I probably listen to it a couple times a week at least having such a good time having a ball (laughs) right you're the best man yeah rock and roll I can't wait to continue to follow all the awesome things that you achieve and get into in your career thank you so much thank you for having me yeah This is Arnie Niekamp from the Improv Fantasy Podcast, Hello from the Magic Tavern. I fell through a dimensional portal behind a Burger King in Chicago into the magical land of Foon, and I started a podcast. Season three has just begun with a brand new adventure to defeat the Dark Lord. If you're a new listener or you've fallen behind, season three is a great jumping on point. And we've got great guests like Justin McElroy. I sound like a fancy college professor. Fake nuts. <laughs> Rachel Bloom. You all see my collection of men corpses and one woman. Felicia Day and Colton Dunn. You've seen <coughs> me have intercourse with a variety of species. It's a bummer. Andy Daly. You have the members of Genesis listed, but Phil Collins yeah. has crossed out and then circled and crossed out again. Uh, yes, I have killed Phil Collins twice. Thomas Middleditch. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Jazos. <laughs> Ruler of the Eighth Circle. And that's just the beginning. Season three of Hello from the Magic Tavern is out now. Listen Listen in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.